Hey everybody, welcome to Two Non-Doctors. I'm Liz Mealy. I'm Maria Shahada. We are stand-up comedians. Stand-up comedians that are currently jobless because of the coronavirus. We're finally going to be the doctors our mothers wanted us to be. Is there anything that we don't know? A lot, actually. We have a lot of questions. Uh, we have a lot of answers. All of them wrong. But we do have access to... Google. And a vet. Oh yeah, my mom's a vet. She knows some stuff. We have to do this So again. every once in a while, we're going to invite her on. No, we don't. We're going to actually use this. <laughs> welcome to Two Non-Doctors. Hi, welcome to Two Non-Doctors. I'm Liz Mealy. I'm Maria Shahada. You put the tea to your mouth right when I start. Like <laughs> I, It was It was like Amateur one of those things. Moves. It was one of those things that I had in my head to do. I was like, when I'm done talking, I'm going to take a sip. And then you went, hi. And I was like, uh oh. But you <laughs> you said ready. <laughs> and, and then as I'm talking, I just see the tea come up. And I'm just like, yo, that's not, maybe if it was a cold beverage, but you're going to slam a hot beverage right before you say your name. I know, because especially because I have to slurp it, I have to be like, <laughs> ha, I'm a so how does your, how does your, how do your parents drink? My dad drinks coffee like this. He goes, it's such a fucking misophonia nightmare oh like he was he sounds like he's out of like a 1988 coke commercial yeah like you think it's an exaggeration but they like that's actually how my dad drinks how does that even happen how does that happen and how does that not get corrected well who's gonna correct him he's 77 well that's what uh, i'm saying drink- is how did this not get corrected at 15 this is, i don't know this is mom had like 70 pressure. children she had so many kids she wasn't worried about how somebody sips their coffee she's just happy she had coffee to give them <laughs> oh i just remember my mom sitting at the kitchen table as a kid with a cup of coffee that is the equivalent of like two two bowls of soup it just became funnier and funnier like this is like what a regular size mug her mugs became hilarious funny gift mugs became her serious mug that she yeah. would drink coffee out of she's like i'm not even yeah. fucking around anymore this is, this yeah, is how she, it is kids i was just like is this in lieu of heroin or paired with heroin like this is a <laughs> lot <laughs> i don't like yeah five kids you could forgive it a little bit i think oh yeah no i don't i don't blame my mom for anything it, everything she did was for survival and i'm proud of her and she did it <laughs> good job mom my shout uh, out oh god oh. I was going to say shout out to, yep, you do it. I was going to say any shout outs. (laughs) Yeah. You don't shout out. Is it just me? Just shouting out from London. Just shout a shout out to the plant. Shout (laughs) Shout out out to my new curtains. (laughs) What are you shouting out? I don't know. I wanted to shout out the primer I've used because it's, oh yeah. It looks like I'm I'm wearing a filter. Like it's, this looks filtered, but it's not. This is, this is, um, what's it called? Pearl primer or something. What's it called? It's by uh, professional, professional. I look, I, it seems like we're being paid for this and we're not, (laughs) I'm so happy um, with how my face looks. I'm just going to give them the yeah, no, I think at some point you just have to let people know uh, that they could be saved by a product. Um, no, but like, we did we did this podcast a couple of weeks ago and I was like, why do you fucking look like a like a 1960s movie star where they would put like those kind of filters over the screen to make I know, them I look, look like I've got like glamour shots. Do you remember glamour shots? Remember, you have I've, that? Been trying to, I've been trying to get more glamour shots from JCPenney's. They were the best ones. Yeah. Yeah. I had, what was I doing? I think I had like, I must've, I don't know if I was just, I had my hand on my chin, but my hair was straightened. Like it was straightened by a white girl. So it was really, really poorly done. And, 
and like I had my denim jacket like collar up yes (laughs) it was so it was so like soft like filtered I have to find mine because I think you would appreciate it because it was like I think I was 14 it was with it was Basically, my parents went away and me and my sister were watching my brothers and they were like, go to JCPenney's and get family photos. And so you shouldn't let kids be in charge of other kids because our pictures are just like, <laughs> like we're all teenagers. And then we let like my mom, my, oh, I think I have it. My mom let us do funny pictures. And of course, those are the ones I cared about. But this is from that JC Penney's. We all had a dress Aww, really nice. And so I told sweet. my brothers, if they smile, we'll do a funny one. And so it's it's literally Sam doing cross eyes and Greg attacking him. It's like my favorite photo. And that's from like when my parents left, gave us money to take pictures. And then my dad was like, what? This is what you got? This is what you <laughs> like, talk to the photographer, you know? <laughs> it's like, it's their job. I love those pictures. That's the funny thing is like, you, you know, we, we became comics and- all that crap and you had to get like headshots and stuff and you're always just like do you still have your first headshots i not only do i still have them um i have a shit ton of them because we all know somebody was like get headshots and then get fifty thousand oh, of yeah, them yeah you have a bunch of printed ones because you're like yeah you're gonna send them out so much for all the roles you were gonna be asked to do yeah you know? for like the roles <laughs> you're gonna be asked to do and then like i think maybe four people in the in the course of almost 19 years have asked for a signed headshot you know what i mean like it's just like uh, but um, I had to Google the myself. comedy clubs that are going to put me on their wall. <laughs> yes, exactly. I just started posting my own fucking. I just put I gave it to my mom. I did not know what to do with them after a while. <laughs> I was like, I don't want these. Yeah, I was like, um, and of course, were yours black and white? Your first ones? Yeah. 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 You got to be black and white. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you knew you were professional because you were in the twenties. I had to Google myself because I was looking for a certain podcast that I was on. Yeah. And I was flipping through the pages and then, you know, you get curious, you go to images, you're like, what's the first picture to come up? And it's not the first picture, but like somewhere on the side is my first ever headshot. And I'm like, why is that on there? Like black and white, I'm 18 years old. And I was like, oh, the internet is I want to look it up. Can I, um, can I find it right now if I wanted to find I, it? I think you could. Oh my God. <laughs> you're so young I, I was 18 I wore a bandana oh what is it with covering your head Liz I'm like a bald guy like I always have a hat or a bandana or something on I just didn't know how to do my hair and then of course <laughs> dude I have all this jewelry on I'm wearing like some of those bracelets I made myself by the way I'm wearing like five bracelets three necklaces who knows how many rings a bandana heavy <laughs> so 90s heavy island what year is this was this 99 what year is this no that would be if i'm 18 uh, 2000 18 is 2004 but yes your skin looks perfect it looked perfect a couple weeks ago and i immediately bought that primer announcements uh yeah thanks to all our patreons patrons people that give us money thank you so much um we have um tons of bonuses we have, uh, we've been having more Google guests, meaning we have more extended and uh, full interviews for you guys uh, and stickers and you can control our Googles. You can come on as a Google guest, but we have tons of stuff. Thank you for everybody that gives her a Patreon. Don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube. And if you could uh, leave us a, a review on Apple podcasts, uh, that would be really helpful for us. It helps us get seen. You know, thanks to everyone who's left really, really lovely reviews so far and um yeah if you could just take a few minutes out of your day to do that that would be 
really helpful. And um, follow us on the social medias. You can follow us on Instagram at uh, two non DRS and then Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at two non doctors. And I have a book coming out a month from today. Is it uh, coming out that soon? Yeah. March 16th. It's called why cats are assholes. Oh my you know. God. That's exciting. I know. I'm excited. I talked to my editor and it was just kind of one of those things where like, there's no book tour. There's like, you know what I mean? Like, it's weird to have a first book out and none of the like traditional things one does with the book. So all I'm doing is emailing famous cats to see if they want to give me a blurb for my book. That's awesome. That's pretty much <laughs> what I've done. I have messaged so many famous cats on Instagram and like, hi, you don't know me, but I wrote a book about you. And like some of them I even mentioned in the book. So I'm just like, you're mentioned in the book. But yeah, so uh, I'm going to get some sweet blurbs from some- That's great cats that have millions of followers um <laughs> you know you know how you're just like i hope this cat picks me but yeah comes out march 16th why cats are assholes you can pre-buy it now if you want but yeah i'll start telling the world this is my first real announcement my my editor was like tell podcast and i was like i have a podcast <laughs> i was like i'll tell my podcast yeah. I have a book. <laughs> uh you want to get into fan mail yeah this is from steve he was talking about our male depression episode Hi, Liz and Maria. While Liz was talking about the book, I don't want to talk about it. I just kept nodding and nodding. Jesus, it's like you were talking about me, Liz. I grew up with both an evil, mean, bully, sexist, misogynistic, racist stepdad and biological father. They were the kind of guys who would call a skinny 14-year-old boy a baby or worse, even today, I think, a pussy if he didn't want to take shots of tequila even when he was 14. Shots of tequila when I was 14 or didn't want to go hunting or kill a deer or who cried, I could go on and on. Steve basically also talks about just not understanding how he became the opposite of his evil uh, stepfather and, and biological father and how he's much more compassionate. And then, so what I found interesting, he goes, I still, however, struggle with the notion that I am not man enough for women. Indeed, it, it's been my experience that women themselves can perpetuate the str uh, this struggle that in my opinion, all men deal with, whether they admit it or not. And then here's a real life example. Several years ago, there was a woman I loved. She made it clear that she preferred a guy who was more manly. She was a teacher and told me a story about how she witnessed a vice principal in her school yelling at a group of boys and how much it turned her on and made her feel made him feel more attracted to her. Uh, and then Steve also talks about how his mother supported her stepfather when his stepfather when he was being abusive. So one of the examples is, uh, this is sad. My stepfather was abusing me and I was crying and my mother grabbed me, shook me and screamed in my face, take it like a man, take it like a man. And it was only many years, many years later in therapy when it finally hit me, I wasn't a man, I was a child. It's a very thoughtful and, and honest email and we appreciate it, Steve. I, I agree that women perpetuate this stereotype of what it means to be a man and this toxic masculinity. I think both sides of it play a part in it and mothers can support it, which is, you know, in, I don't want to talk about it. The book, he basically talks about how some women fight their husbands and try to kind of pull their sons back and, and let them have feelings and kind of push back. And some just kind of let it happen. And then clearly in your case, your mother, uh, aggressively, uh, supported it. I, I think we all know women perpetuated. I think and from magazines to how we talk about men, you know, I have both my roommates are shorter guys. Like I'm five one. I think they're all like between like five three and five six. And I've heard them talk over and over again about how 
they are dismissed just because they're short guys or so I think there's this fear that women have for their sons that if they're not manly they'll be ridiculed or made fun of or or cast aside or cast out and so it's like I'm not excusing it but it is coming from fear of not being no, a part I, of society. No I I think I think all this comes from fear. I think every, I think you're right. I think everything kind of comes from fear and it's it's yes there is a repopulating the planet with the survivors. You know what I mean who's the best to survive in society people and that's what you kind of go towards but this stereotype that certain men aren't man enough that certain men aren't there's no value in it I mean they do the same thing with women I mean like I we just didn't talk about it because I mean I think we could talk about for hours that you know (laughs) the fact that our expiration date is at 29 and that you know we're kind of cast aside and believed that we have less value as soon as we're not it's like, Young. it's like your family, society, everybody's like, time is running out. You have to find someone and make babies, like make haste, go yeah. now. And then you're like, I don't, I don't need you to tell me like my timeline to my life. And then your body's like, time is running out. So it's like, yeah. Even biologically you're fucked. No, I completely agree. But like, you're right. I think women do that out of fear and they don't want, nobody wants, you know, their kids to live a shittier life or, or be tormented and you can do shitty stuff in in the hopes that they have a better life and them not understand that. I don't know. I I also see women because society tells them this is the same way that men, like they tell women what a standard of beauty is. I think they also tell women what is of value and what's going to keep them safe or protect them or what society wants. And that gets perpetuated and it, it becomes both sides where you're being told as a man that you're not man enough. And I, I get that. I mean, the example that Steve, I will push back a little bit on the example you gave Steve that this woman saw a vice principal yell at boys in Japan. That's her shit. Like, I don't that know. That's that's, a particular type of thing. <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, that absolutely is a, is a woman that came from not a great childhood. Where that, abuse means love. Yeah. Like that goes right in. Cause we talked about what um, the different types of attachments in one of our episodes. So there's secure and insecure. And then with insecure, there's needy. And there's what's the one where you push people Avoidance. away. Avoidant. So to me, her being attracted to that guy that's yelling at a bunch of kids, that's somebody that came from an abusive home and that had insecure uh, attachment styles. That has, in my mind, nothing to do with somebody being manly enough. That has to do with unresolved trauma. But yeah, there's still, like what I was saying before, there are societal messages that, you know, somebody that's big and strong can protect you. Somebody that's big and strong is going to make a kid that survives, whatever it is that's biological. I know for me, my parents are nice people. I like nice people. I'm not attracted to mean guys. It doesn't, you know what I mean? I'm not attracted to anybody that's mean. My friends aren't mean. I'm not mean. My, every boyfriend in the past wasn't mean. Like that doesn't, but that's because I was raised with people that were how they treated people were nice. I'm not going to say like everything they did was great, but like, but like how they treated people was nice. I was sent a message that you're nice to people. So I like dudes that are nice to people. So I do think whatever you kind of have going on in your early childhood picks that out. So really what women are attracted to often has to do with who raised them. Like, and he talked about in his letter that he was raised by these kind of racist, sexist, very mean men, but he became the complete opposite, just very compassionate and sensitive and, and, and thoughtful. But there's a lot of people that are raised by mean men that just become mean men or mean women. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't exactly understand 
why when you have a bad example of a parent, somebody becomes the opposite. And I have tons of friends like that, where like they had really bad parents and they are the kindest, nicest people. So I don't know why some end up just perpetuating how their parents raised them and how some go off to be really kind people. But that's what you kind of have to understand with that example you gave about that woman is she was also raised by somebody shitty and then she became attracted to shitty. (laughs) Like, yeah, I think that's more of an example of it, but we're happy you wrote in. Thanks for writing in. Yeah. Thanks, Steve. Um, Googles. Yeah. I watched, um, my Google was, uh, is Bob Ross considered ASMR? okay because i watched him uh the other day i was i was showing him to johnny like when i first watched him i might have been three four he came out what in 83 until like 94 so i was i was young i was like five or younger or something when i was watching because i think what my babysitter did was just kind of like sat me in front of the tv and left (laughs) and uh and so i was just stuck there with bob ross but it's like all the sounds came back to me so he has a very like soothing low voice and it's really calming but on top of that all the paintbrush sounds like he has like a, a knife um thing that he scrapes and then there's like the brushes and he's he's like doing a cross uh whatever whatever he's doing but they all have a particular sound and they ju- it just came woof, like rushing back to me and I was like like the sounds were very familiar I knew it was a painting show but I, I was like oh my god <laughs> I think I've internalized this to be soothing and that might be I why like people like ASMR I don't know or why people like Bob Ross that he is a form of oh, yeah. ASMR. You know I what I mean? Like, like they didn't even realize that it, they don't cause like how many people, everybody loves him, but I don't, most of my friends don't like painting or paint at all. They are just like, no, yeah, but just I really- don't know. Anybody's ever followed the painting. Yeah. No, he's making <laughs> you tiny watch, trees. I can imagine you getting high and just sinking into him, but like, yeah, but like, so I looked it up and yeah, a hundred percent. There's an article upon article about like, how really? Bob Ross is a pioneer of ASMR and all that. And uh, yeah, because like everything, every, the sound of his voice, no, he died in like 95. Uh, oh. But the sound of his voice, the way the paint sounds on the canvas, the way the paintbrush goes, the way like the different paintbrushes, the way he like, he'll make an evergreen, it'll be like, it's like all so soothing. And I was just, and I had just taken some CBD oil. So I sort of, you know, whatever, you know, the, the sponsor, but like, I, so I just sort of was just sinking into this, like, I really fucking love that. Yeah. So he's, um, yeah. So he is considered ASMR a hundred percent. And, uh, that's so crazy. He like yeah. invented something. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if he knew what he was doing. Jonathan if he didn't Sable. know what he was doing, I wonder if the person that put him on TV just painting for hours knew like, cause like that would be a live, that would be like a Twitch live stream thing now is just oh, some totally. guy you know, just some guy whispering and painting and we'd be like, why the fuck does he have millions of views? Yeah. <laughs> and it's just stuff like this. Um, his, fa- his soft voice, kind disposition and gentle painting sounds so relaxing. I fall asleep watching him. I mean, it is relaxing. Uh, I, yeah, I love it. So I'm sure that's affected me on some yeah. level. It must have. I don't know yeah. how, but maybe that's the next Google. Also, like, isn't that kind of kind of interesting for like parenting wise? Like, if you notice your kid is being very calm with like these gentle sound, like when, you know, like the same way that um, people have sound machines to go to sleep, like it's the ocean or, you know, it's yeah. rain or whatever. Like that's gotta be, I know we did a whole episode that we barely learned anything from. Yeah. <laughs> we learned that if you blow a hairdryer, um, you'll get millions and millions of views. 
Oh, we were just that whole episode. We were just angry. We we're like, "What the <laughs> fuck? What kind of views are these ASMR stars getting? This is bullshit. Why do I try?" <laughs> uh, my Google, what's the fastest way to cure puffiness in the morning? Okay, I want to yeah. know this. Yeah. So first of all, I kind of learned some stuff. I causes of puffiness. Just so you know, uh, if you sleep too much, sleep too little, just lying down in general. Uh, sleeping on your face actually exacerbates uh, like puffiness. Uh, basically, because basically it's fluid retention. That's why you're puffy. So just like the act of laying down, fluids. Okay. Get fluidy. Um, fluidy. But uh, so sleep can cause it, and most likely that's that's why we're puffy in the morning. Um, makeup can cause it by having like a skin reaction. Foods that have high sodium, and then alcohol. Period. Allergies. Sinus infection. There's like a bunch of reasons that you would have extra fluid intention. But I'm for the most part, why is it that I wake up and I'm like, my nose is bigger in the morning. I just, my cheeks are bigger. And it's just like, especially with something like this, like, I'm like, can we, you know, especially we- when you start auditioning and stuff, you don't, you start to notice like, why do I look like this in the morning? I need like four hours to deflate. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm just like, I've noticed like, I, so I look at myself in the morning more than I ever do. So I, because I'm now putting on sunscreen every morning, I have like a whole skincare regimen. So I, this is the most I've ever looked at myself in my life because I have things that I do in the morning and then I have things that I do at night and they all take like a half hour now. So I'm like putting on vitamin C. I got this like little depuffer thing. Like half of this is just to like do something. It's like, I don't even know how I feel. And then I put on sunscreen because that was my new year's resolution, sunscreen every day. And then there's all this stuff at night. So I think I'm just noticing more how puffy. And then I'll look at myself at like noon and I'm just like, it's like, like you said, like deflating. So they said you can wash your face with cold water or like have like a cold towel, which I actually ended up doing today because I had a bunch of pimple stickers on my face and they were sticky. So I washed my face with cold water and I was like, I'm already doing my thing. Um, You can put uh, coffee um, or like a cooled off tea bag. Like, so Mm -hmm. I've seen people make, take coffee grounds and um, uh, like spread them on their face or you can do the same thing with, Fun trick. You could take like the tea bags you've already used, freeze them, and then use them as like deep puffers, like put them on your eyes in the morning. Oh, look at your little life hacks. (laughs) I like that. I've definitely heard people talk about putting tea bags uh, like around their face or whatever, but um, it's supposed to stimulate your blood vessels. You can do the jade roller. I bought it. I feel like everybody bought a jade roller. So you could jade roll your face a little bit. It's just about kind of getting your waking up your face, uh, exercising helps with all this. And then they, of course they were like creams and masks and all that stuff. But I was kind of like, don't get me wrong. There's every cream in the book that tells you they're going to depuff you. And that's why I bought this little thing for like 11 bucks that goes around your eyes. And I keep it in the refrigerator. Cause they said, again, coldness helps, but I, I don't know. I can't see. If I'm yeah. Depuffed. I still feel you puffy. don't really need to do that. You could do that with cucumbers. You could freeze tea bags. You could freeze spoons and put them on your eyes in the morning. Like you don't need to like buy something specific for it. Do you ever tell you about how, like, remember when I was staying at your place and I asked if my friend Jen could stay over and you're like, yeah. And then like how in the morning I like woke up and she had like, she had like two pillows propping herself up and then her hair like splayed and she looked like a Disney princess. She was just on her back. And I know that's the way you're supposed to sleep for like optimal beauty right yeah yeah yeah. because any if you sleep on your side uh you're fucking up your face if you sleep on your stomach you're fucking up your boobs and that's like the only way to sleep and be beautiful is to sleep on your back but nobody actually does it and she was actually doing it and I was just like what is this (laughs) I was like wake up what are you what is this just she just she looked 
so perfect. It was annoying. Did she train herself to do that? I think she trained. Yeah. I think, I think you have to train yourself to do that because otherwise you're sleeping all every which way. Which is crazy because like last night I slept on my back because like pasta sleeps on me like she'll cry at like 5 a.m and I just convince her to kind of like snuggle but it's she like makes like a nest in like my body or she like sleeps on my stomach so I last night I was having trouble sleeping and she slept on like blankets pillows on my side and then yeah. she's on my stomach so I'm just like in this weird tomb and like that's actually perfect for you to sleep on your back then what's really sad is because she controls my life if I'm too fidgety she gets up and cries so I don't really like so I'm kind of like just figure it out Liz <laughs> like 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 I'm, but I had learned and there's a part of me that feels influenced by the fact that they said I'd be more puffy if I sleep on my face so I was kind of like best way to experiment is try but I can't sleep that way I wash my face I can't sleep water. on my back I hate I can't I don't feel like I did back. anything I did used to I used to get up and with you don't like look puffy I feel puffy I get I'm less puffy than this like give it an hour and you'd be like what totally different face but I used to like college early 20s I would get up and within a half hour I'd go for a run and I'm like maybe I need to get back into that habit like just get everything moving yeah I mean I don't know if you sit around like things get creaky things are getting my face is getting creaky all right uh let's get personal yep What's a movie or show you watch repeatedly that you find comforting? Like basically a, a, a movie or a show that is just like- a I'm so glad a, a you asked. Like and I haven't had this since Friends because Friends was something I watched on repeat. I had season three on VHS. And when I was in college, I was lonely. I was scared. I was sad. I was having panic attacks and I would just play it on loop in the background and it made me feel less alone and it made me feel happy. But since Friends, nothing's really done that for me. I mean, there's been really good TV, but nothing like to just have in the background to feel like a part of the family until Ghosts. Now, I know that <laughs> there's an, <laughs> I know there's a US version coming out because I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but you uh, auditioned for it. Yeah. And I didn't, at the time, like I, I, I was just like, whatever, I don't know what it is. So I gave it a chance because like my agent was just like, can you make this treatment a little more BBC friendly? And so I was like, what a, what's a BBC sitcom like? And I was, I was watching it with a very closed mind and I was just like, this is so stupid. And the jokes are so blah. And then, but it, it, ah, Adobe Flash Player needs to not remind me at this very moment. But basically like I, it took me like a half an episode until I was like fully in. And I was just like, I love, I love it. I love this show. And, um, and then I watched all the seasons uh, and then I watched them again. And now I'm watching with Johnny. I, I could watch them over. I like, I'm sad. I don't have any more episodes to watch. I love it. So are you, now that you've watched it going on three times, is it something that like you kind of half watch or are you fully watching them? No, no, I, I, I'm in. I watched it. I half watched it the first time. Like, you know, I was into it, but then like, you know, something would grab my attention and I'll just be on the phone while it was on. And then I loved it so much and it ended. And then I was like, I'm just going to watch it again. And then like, <laughs> I caught jokes. I didn't catch the first time. And then, yeah, the third time I'm watching with Johnny and he points out things and I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a world that I wish I could have more of. I like it. And, I, and it's, yeah, I already said that. Okay. Cause like, it's comforting to you. What is it like the same way friends was comforting to you? What is it? Is it just make you feel you get like do you get it on some level does it make you feel less alone like I feel like it makes me feel less alone but like and it's kind of not based on friends it's obviously heavily influenced by friends but there's something about a group of friends who get along even when they don't get along 
you know what I mean? Like they, like they might have conflicts, but in the end they all love each other and like they support yeah. each other. Yeah. There's something about that, that like New is weirdly Girl comforting. Is like oh, really? I, I, I never gave that. that show a shot. Neither did I. I was like anti New Girl. I was like, it looks dumb. I think I tried watching like half a first episode and I was like, this is stupid. And then I stayed with, um, my friend Amanda and she loved it. And so we would watch like an episode or two before bed. You know, when somebody else is just like, this is my routine and you're here now. So we're doing it together. And <laughs> yes. you're like, okay. And I loved it. Like, and of course I'm watching middle of the season, you know, when everybody is like, everybody's at peak. I understand what this show is about Ness. And I was like, oh, this is really funny. And this is really good writing. So of course, after I left, I started from the beginning and I had more leniency to it not being perfect because I knew it got better. And I was already invested in the characters because I watched it from the middle and I fell in love with it. I was like, this is great. But what I noticed is they would exactly what you said, it would be a bunch of conflicts, but at the end they would do the right thing to take care of their friend. It was always like, oh, you're yeah. a dick. And why would you be like this? And da, 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 and we got to figure this out and we're in a mess. And then it'd be like, we got Jess, we got to fix, Jess is crazy. Or like, oh, Nick, you need something done. Like, like everybody comes together and solves the problem as like a yeah. family. And I was yeah. like, oh, I see, I see why that, I see why I'm addicted to this. It's nice. It makes you feel like you have a group of friends or something. Or maybe just me, I'm very simple, but I, it <laughs> makes me feel less alone. It's a world I want to be a part of. Yeah, I like couldn't wait to like have dinner and sit down and watch an episode or five. All right. I would say 30 Rock is my, like, I was having a panic attack yesterday and my friend Adrian's like, you want to watch 30 Rock? 30 Rock would help you. And I was like, that's a great idea. Like she had to convince me, like she had to remind me of the thing that I usually do when I'm like scared or having a panic attack or sad. And so as soon as I put it on, it was like truly like having like a pacifier. I was like, I, I just get yeah. so taken in by like the relationships and just like, the writing is so good. It's the writing so, is good. so good. Yeah. So I'm in the middle of like having a panic attack and I'm rewinding because I'm like, so well-timed, so well said. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I just get really dorky and both I enjoy the show, but then also as an artist, it makes me excited and takes me out of it. But I've, I've probably, I don't know, before that, I think it was maybe Seinfeld that I, Seinfeld and South Park. I yeah. used to watch those over and over again when I was in college. I watched a lot of Seinfeld and they're a group of friends who I guess love each other, but I don't know if they actually do. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's like yeah, that yeah, yeah. they are so in conflict and that's funny, but it doesn't have that. There's not like that warmth, but I will. Yeah. Like Seinfeld used to be a, a, a source of comfort for me too. I think it's both it being funny. And I think we like, that's the way that we want to be uh, talked to is in that jokey sarcastic funny but then also it's all it's also being like you're never alone you have a group of friends like yeah like that's really what it but there must be something and I, I don't like family shows <laughs> like like you yeah. can almost let you know where your values are because like family shows are like family doesn't matter if we're in conflict we'll always be there for each other and any show that's like friend-based is like we're in Do you conflict. know Rick and Morty was um they, he was convinced to make them a family because otherwise it was just going to be mad. So he was like, make it a family unit. But I think that's where most shows go. It's either a family unit and it's like, we're a family no matter what, or it's a friend unit. And it's like, we're a friend family no matter what. And you have to like pick a side. Like, are you- Well, I think like both of us are obviously, we're we're still, our, our family is our friends. We're still in that point in our lives. And I don't think, 
I mean, I think those shows kind of came up when when the the time between like post university pre family was getting longer and longer and longer for most people and you you yeah. were spending more and more time with your friends but like eventually most people get married have kids and settle down and become the family anyway but you and I were not going to do that yeah <laughs> ever <So> I- no <laughs> I just take a picture of my family and I put it down no that's actually a really bad Maria hate us <laughs> you ruined my family that's why yeah, I did. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just like she doesn't hate you she just feels like you replaced and then you look over and you're giving like <laughs> daggers to a two-year-old um I'm just like no she's nice look you guys you guys will get along someday um that's a really valid point I didn't even think about that that this is we've never crossed we didn't we haven't crossed over into like family values yeah yeah, well, really, that's what it makes me, I'm, I'm genuinely worried about, you know how I'm doing Zoom Diner or I will have already done Zoom Diner. It's just like, I don't know how to live this next decade of my life because I feel like I'm too old for the like complaining about flatmates um, and dating material, but I don't have like kids material. So I don't, like, I don't have that. Like, I'm just sort of in between, like, I don't who do I relate to, you know? Yeah, no, and I, I, I get that. That's why I actually appreciate the kind of comedy we do though, which is that you can just like, it isn't, life isn't just friends and family. Like though, I think the world makes you feel that way, but, and they want you to feel that way. And they basically tell you these are the most, cause it's like a friends, it's like a family sandwich, your family unit, then you go off and you make friends and you date and whatever. And then you're a family unit again. But I do think there's something to be said about in that middle period that we're in and other people are in you're not is it your work that's more valuable is it your alone time that's more valuable is it the weird thoughts that you have is it understanding you know what your passions are like there is this there's this getting to know yourself and getting back to yourself if you had left yourself and awakening that is beyond just dating sex and uh, family kids husband wife garbage and I think that's where we're in and that's I'm I'm enjoying being there like there's a part of me that my stand-up is getting weirder and weird like I have a two-minute joke about hating math and how how much that affected me I have jokes about ghosts because I have really strong opinions about them but like there is something that like (laughs) if I had two kids why am I spending five minutes talking about ghosts you know like yeah I don't know this is I this is my favorite period of one's life that they don't have to pick a side yeah and those things are overdone yeah well I mean I sorry it's a real pet peeve of mine uh saying a premise is overdone no I that's a valid point I would say that's a valid point because I think any but every every premise is overdone and it's all about perspective and I agree with that but nobody's like we don't have any good jokes about kids out there yeah I mean it definitely doesn't need added to but I think like you know, Greg Giraldo is oh, yeah, or- ex- a great example of talking about shit that like everyone talked about, just like well-trotted premises. Like he could make a joke about airplane food I've never heard before. Yeah, <laughs> you I know? completely agree. No, 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 I, I completely agree. I think every topic's been overdone, but you can, it's all about the perspective you have. But this new adulting, yeah, this is this, this period that's ever pulled out. I don't know. I like it. All right. Well, your excitement's making me happy. Okay, you want to get to the topic? Yep. Uh, our topic is for Valentine's Day week, uh, is love real? We're like, 
how do we talk about this in a sciencey health way? Yeah, not at all bitter. <laughs> Is love even real? Yeah. And then if we had rights to any songs, I have to say, can I just say how angry I was that like, you know, I, I start with the Googler, I start Googling stuff. And I got this psychology today article that I was like first reading and then skimming the whole fucking thing was them quoting lyrics as a way to justify that love is real. And I was like, Hey man, this is the most fluffy garbage. It made me so angry <laughs> that it was like, what the, f your psychology today, did you just quote like Rihanna lyrics? What it's, are we but doing? Psychology today is one of those blogs that like anyone, like they need content. So they let anyone write for them. Is that? No, I wouldn't say that. They have a lot of science and stuff in there. There are like a bunch of opinion pieces and stuff like that. And I don't have a problem with that, but like it took, I, I wired magazine had more science in it than this fucking psychology today. It was just all literally quoting love songs of the past, like 50 years. And I was like, that is not research. That's exactly like, what we're trying to disprove. It's like that love is not love. That's like, that's the shit you're addicted to that hit of oxytocin or whatever that happens. Yeah. That's yeah. not love. I don't even know what this That's love. So basically scientists agree that love cannot be controlled, controlled, curated, switched on and off, that it arises from like a deep subconscious and that it's like a, it's like a basic drive. So like the really scientific -y, like sad way of saying it, but I, I actually appreciate it was it's a basic drive evolved millions of years ago in order to enable us and focus our attention on just one partner so that we can start the mating process. That's all it is. It's basically fucking pick a person, make something, figure it out. Love is like, it's a, it's a natural high clearly. And it's, it's very much real, but from everything that I can kind of see, depending on who you're with, it can last for a long time. And if not, it's very um, fickle. Like it's, it's, it's there, you have it. And then when it starts to fade, you start to see all the kind of caveats and things you overlooked in a person. But if you actually do pick the right person, then it can actually last for a long time. So it's just this kind of double-edged sword of love is real, but if you fall in love with the wrong person, when the, the shininess falls away, it's gonna not be maintainable. Or if you fall in love with the right person, it can, it can last for years and they've done Studies. I always feel like it's like perfume. Like you might put on some perfume and then smell it and be like, I like the way that smells. But after a couple hours, you're like, I fucking hate this. Yeah. Or after a couple hours, you might be like, I really love this. But initially or, it's always sort of nice. Or after a couple hours, it's gone. And you're just like, did I sweat it off? Is this like, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is this? It was just perfume here. ghosted me. <laughs> I got perfume yeah. ghosted. I think that's the thing that everybody uh, struggles with is that like, we do see it change and we do see it evolve and that's scary. But like, if you're with the right person, can you work with that evolving of love? And like, there's a lot of talk about how it turns into, uh, love turns into commitment and commitment or like uh, companionship, I think is the better word that love go like the, the sharp excitement of love can mutate into companionship and connection. But if you don't have that companionship and connection up front, it seems like love is a finite thing that disappears over time, as opposed to if you have the companionship and connection, when that kind of intense love starts to wane a little bit, 
it can still kind of go on. Okay. So are are you saying that most couples, like when you start out, you will get along and everything will be great. And like, you'll get the butterflies and you'll feel really good and you're happy. And then you're like, kind of like whistling to get coffee and giving homeless people money and everything is just sort of, but then that'll fall away. How long does that last? That lasts like what, like a year, nine months? It seems like people believe it, it lasts around two years. I don't know where the science is for that, but that seems to be this weird number that they're like, it can last up to, up to two years. All right. Which has and always then, made me very, and I feel like I've known that for a long time. So it always makes me really weary when somebody gets engaged really early. Like we've talked in a previous episode, how you guys, your past relationship, you got engaged after six months, but like getting engaged in the honeymoon period and in the like maximum love period, I'm always like, what's the rush guys? Like, don't you want to find out <laughs> how you feel after that goes away? Um, um, yeah, but what's exciting about that? Nothing. Let's get no. married and fuck it all up. <laughs> yeah. Everybody loves paperwork and moving. Don't you feel like there's certain moments that like every, you know, if a relationship's going to go forward or not, like three months is kind of when you decide if this is going to be a real relationship or not. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody seems to have that like to the point where like for a while I couldn't get past the three month mark. And then as I got older, I was like, oh yeah, because there's so many issues with showing up and being connected and all this stuff that just wasn't there. You you can only really tolerate it for a couple of months. Then there's that kind of year mark of, is this really turning into something serious? And then the two, three, four, whatever that is where decisions start to get made. And then they talk about the seven year itch. If you've been together or married and then but I've, I've never made it to seven years, so I don't fucking know. But I, I do find that there's over and over again in books and music and literature and talking to friends and, and everything that the, everybody kind of knows those w- walls of going to the next level in a relationship. My friend Jimmy said, I'm going to fuck up his, like, cause, because I haven't, I had, this was years ago, but basically some relationships like only will only go so far, like, like a train on a, a stunted track. It's like, it's only going to go so far. And then some relationships you can see just going the whole way to your destination. I, I, I swear to God, I explained it so much better. Every relationship has a, like a, a link. A stop. Yeah. That they get off at. And the, the woman he's currently married to is, um, you know, he, he told me he's like with her, I can see it going all the way. And yeah, which is sweet because they got married and had kids together. So, oh, yeah, but I agree. I mean, I think and I think that can be said with friendships and otherwise that there's people grow, people change and you can't penalize people for that. Like, why would you want somebody to stay stagnant and pretend like their experiences don't evolve them or change them? You know, I have more examples of that with like friendships and, and what have you. But even in relationships, you can kind of see like, oh, this isn't just enamored or this isn't just excited to be seen or this isn't just something new and I'm excited this is real connection I think I've always been pretty bitter about long-term relationships marriage what is really connecting with somebody that like I think both as a woman I'm you know love is something that I think we're it's like shoved down our throats that that's that's how you get value but like what love is is very different between everybody and I think you kind of find that out that as you get older, everybody's definition of love is different. And you're like, what? Yeah. What does that mean? 
but like there is something about love that's like clearly attractive but also the scariest drug and like so much less warning goes into how a relationship can knock you down so hard and just make you feel like nothing as opposed to like we tell kids like don't mess with drugs you know what comes up must come down i i wish my parents i wish parents raised their kids to be like watch out for the drug of love like watch out yeah. for that because it's really dangerous <laughs> instead yeah. of like especially to girls like you better find someone or you're gonna end up an old maid and you know you'll get too old and no one will want you ever again but like i would love it if it was not recommended to fall in love and then it's like if you do fall in love make sure it's done with precaution and like it's a pack slowly. of cigarettes some yeah. love might cause disassociation a way of uh, backing away from all obligations complete depression and lack of self-esteem and you're like oh that's a lot of side effects i don't know if i want to take this i both think it was an important thing that my dad said but also i think a scarring thing that my dad said which is don't marry the wrong person my dad said that <laughs> so much to me uh as examples of people in his own life that he felt he was no longer in a good relationship with because of their wife or husband, like somebody that like, he feels like that person hurt them. And then it made it so they didn't want to connect with anybody and it ruined their friendship. But also I, I you know, I don't think my parents are the happiest. And my dad also saw things and it, this like 50s, we're going to have a white picket fence and we're all going to go to church on Sunday. And the world has just changed so much since my dad was younger that I think he just had so many expectations and it was so like rigid and there was no way for us to fit into that. And so he's just kind of like, me and my dad had like a legit gut laugh. So I think we said it on one of the episodes where he was basically like, I don't know if, you know, your brothers are going to like get married and have kids. And I was like, why does that make them a failure? Who wants that? He's like, yeah, I did it. And it wasn't that great. And I was like, see, and we just started gut laughing. Yeah. But like, there's a part of me that's like, my dad still thinks that if I'm not married and I don't have kids, that my life is less valued. And he feels that way both about his sons as well. My dad feels the same, but like, I don't know about less valued, but I think he wants me to feel, I think he wants to feel like I'm taken care of. I think that's where my dad feels too, but I think there's another side of it of back to like the male depression stuff that we would be considered less than, considered an outcast, considered freaks by not going the cliche, typical route of marriage, kids, what have you. And yeah, and, and I think I think all of our parents are kind of disillusioned into thinking that was the way to go. And like there was, our world opened up so much with the internet and it just wasn't around when our parents were 20 or 24, or however old they were when they got married. And it's just options changed. Like you can meet anybody at any point in the world, just at your fingertips. Relationships changed the nature of the way people connect, the way nature of communities changed. So it's not like you get married and that's your, that's a small family unit, but that's your family unit. Like you might have a community of friends and that's your family unit. And you know, and like, you're able to meet more people. It's just, it's so different now that that model is so out of date and my parents were an arranged marriage and so like within their culture it was it was normal for them because of uh similar religious and um, economic backgrounds it was normal for them to just get married so like my dad was in america he wanted to get married my mom wanted to move to america they were the same religion it's all part of the same community so they my dad like met her and they talked for a few days and they got married but they didn't date for seven years first and figure out if like the, there was no like rush of chemicals 
I mean, I don't think so. I don't know. Maybe, maybe there was, but um, they just, it's just one of those things when you talk to like people who have arranged uh, parents who had arranged marriages. And it's one of those things where you just have to find the love. And it's like, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I feel like I've babbled so much, but there's so much I want to say about options and how options fucked everything up and like, but when you remove the options, then you have to make it work. And that might be love or might not be love. Like my parents never got along, but now that they're in their seventies, never, never. And like, I remember moving, I fleed it. <laughs> and I remember moving and my dad calling me up like, yeah, I just had lunch with your mom. And I'm like, in what world do you do that? Like, well, if you guys are going to get along, why am I running all over the world? Um, but like, <laughs> <laughs> but like they, they, I just think in their, in, in retirement, in their seventies, as their health deteriorates, they found solace in each other and they do find, like they do love each other and there is that support there. But when we say it's love real, are we talking about the fantasy of the fairy tale? Or are we talking about what grows out of a partnership over the years? Well, in my mind, it's the, the actual like emotions and chemical response. Like I do think, you know, romantic comedies, I think just magazines, I think society in general, how people talk, I think all that stuff causes you to have these unrealistic expectations as of both people and how you're supposed to feel about people. I do think the emotion is real and I do think the connection is real, but I think how powerful the connection is, is a delusion. We are connected forever. We always understand, like it's a strong glue, but it, it's it's gonna wear over time. Like it's gonna need uh, to be re reconnected or add a little water so it sticks you know again. What? Like Johnny's landlord. Uh, fix this thing in the shower by gluing the panel onto the wall and he was like don't touch that and I was like what I don't live here but he doesn't know <laughs> and then and then he comes back with a brick and he puts the brick on that so that it can form and and bond society is that brick <laughs> yeah <laughs> my parents <laughs> where it was like, yeah, we like each other. And then society is just like, you gotta have babies and be together <laughs> And you're like, what? I That's guess so we have to bond, yeah. No, and, and, and I mean, perfect example of an arranged marriage in the sense that we have to bond, we have to figure it out. And in any kind of work project, when there's a pressure, you fucking hopefully figure it out. And, and I mean, there's tons of books and studies to show that doing it through feeling and gut is not good like it's ne it <laughs> never work out and when people stopped choosing mates due to community family similarities whatever the fuck that means uh religious similarity whatever it is when they stopped using these kind of I mean I read a whole book on marriage years ago about what marriage had a purpose marriage was you know what I mean it was it was about collecting income it was about you, you know uh yeah it was like a business transaction yeah, yeah, about bloodlines. That's why like women were traded for goats and shit. So I've always been, I've always been like marriage is stupid. Um, I've, I've gotten better. You know Take what I mean? My daughter and my four donkeys. No. What about no. three more camels? No? Let me see the camel's teeth. Let me put this camel. And you're like, she also had braces. Shut up. Like, <laughs> but like, it, I always have to separate marriage and love because I have a lot of negativity towards marriage. And it's, like I said, it's changed, it's grown. I'm not as anti-marriage as I once was, but love, I think in a lot of ways is like 
I, I think it has value. I see it in my friendships. I see it in my family. I see it in the people I've dated. I, I know it's there, but when is it not to be trusted? Because I think that, I think what I've learned more is not that it's not real, but, but that it's not accurate and that it's, um, it's, you know, wrote those rose colored glasses that everybody talks about where like everything, everything they do is special. Everything they do is perfect. As opposed to when I look at the people that have been in my life for over 10, 15, 20 years, again, I know it's different when you're having sex with somebody and you're spending more time with them. But in general, me and my friends have grown so much over the course of 10, 15, 20 years. How has that still been a loving relationship when we have changed so much as people and what had to be accepted, uh, negotiated, compromised so that we're still a friendship unit. And I think women in general have navigated that really well in their friendships, because like we kind of even said in the male depression episode, we're trained to be more, we're trained, we're raised to be more vulnerable, more open, be more kind of honest about our feelings. But then when you start to bring a partner into the group, you know, whatever sex doesn't really matter. All of a sudden you have to like renegotiate your values in a more stringent way than you would in a friendship. And then it just seems like it flies off course. Like most societies divorce was or is a bad thing. And I think in Western society, like it became more normal after the eighties to get a divorce. But like my parents, like divorce is out of the question unless you're being beaten. I just wonder why society has to be that brick for people. And what was so wrong with them? I think, I think it might've been Louisa Kay, but like checking in every seven years and being like, do you still want to do this? I still want to do this. Let's, let's keep doing it. Like what would be wrong with that? I actually think that's super positive. And like, even in my past relationship, we had a running joke that like, it was in June for some reason, but like, we would just kind of check in and be like, it was like, it's like weirdly an anti-anniversary, like a, you want to re-up your, 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 uh, uh, submission. What is it like when you have a data plan? Like you're every two years, you have to be like, yeah, I still want to be with you. AT&T. Like (laughs) I, we kind of had this joke and we, every year we would like joke about it. And I, I liked it. Like it was kind of helpful. And it was actually kind of mentally helpful when I was ending things to be like, Oh, I don't, that's not funny to me anymore. I don't want to re-up this. (laughs) Like, like it was like, kind of like, it was like a little bit of an awakening where I used to make these cute little cards and be silly about it. And but then is, it was- isn't it such a better mindset rather than congrats to us for making it this long? Wow. To, to switching it to like, I want to be I, here. I still want to be here. Do you want to be here? Great. Instead of like, yeah. holy shit. Yeah. And also I think you, you check like the same way that like, if it is AT&T, you go, actually, you've dropped all my calls. You know, I never seem to, my text message never seemed to go through. I'm going to find a, a better uh, data plan, a better uh, service, because I'm not getting the value out of it that I once did. And I don't know if you changed something, but this isn't working for me anymore. As opposed yeah. to, it's not working, but I'm going to fucking cram it in and make sure that on the outside, it looks like everything's peachy keen and that we're working together. I don't know if I talked about this, but my, my, friend Danny. She's, I've known her since elementary school. So longest friendship. She called me like five years ago and she's like, have I done anything to like hurt you or like you're upset about me with? And I was like, what? She goes, I had a friend tell me that I hurt her and we talked about it and I had no idea I was doing this and it made me really sad. And I think we worked it out, but it just made me realize that I don't know if I've been doing that to other people. So I just wanted to check in and I was like, oh no, we're good. And she's like, okay, well, let me know if we're not. <laughs> That's funny. Thing. But it was like, 
so it was actually kind of enlightening and a kind of freeing that I was like, oh, sometimes it's hard to be like, you hurt my feelings. You know, it's really hard to like be open and honest about how somebody might've treated you or resentments you might've had. And I was like, I think we should keep doing this. Like we've been friends for over 20 years. I think in every couple of year, hey, have I pissed you off in any way? Are you upset with me? Should we be resolving? And it's different for us because we live, we haven't lived in the same state in 15 years or whatever. So I would think somebody like me and you who talk every day, we might need to be like once a week, just make sure we're okay. Like yeah. nobody, no resentments have built. My, um, my old manager actually, when I like gave me really great advice that she does with her and her husband, which is at the end of the day, they just take three minutes to be like, is there anything you want to talk about? Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, that's really nice. And like, literally, I, I think it's the end of each week. I, I don't think it's every day, but like at the end of each week, like before they go to bed, they take like five minutes to be like, what happened this week that really made you feel special? And what happened this week that like, you just feel a little icky about, or you're not, you know what I mean? And they kind of just like, so like, if it was like, oh, you did the dishes and it just, you could see that I was stressed and that was important. You just did it. And it really, it meant a lot to me. Or, you know, I saw you were sad the other day and I didn't say anything and I felt really bad. And I just want to know that I, I cared for some reason I couldn't show up for you. Like, I was like, oh, fuck. I was like, yeah, it's so loving. Like that little check-in, it doesn't have to be, nothing gets built up and, and resentments don't build. And I was all of a sudden, I was just like, I want that marriage. I was like, I like that. Can I choose that marriage where you're able to talk about stuff before they turn into resentment? Should we end with a dumb fact? Yes. 97% of mammals do not pair up to rear their young. Seven, 97%. We are of the, it's like us and like, are penguins mammals? I think they are. Mm, I don't know, but yes, like I think they parents. are. Oh, it's been so long since I've had a science class. That's sad. <laughs> but I, 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 I want... I want to raise our young in villages. Like I want like not, you know, groups, yeah, tribes. Anyway, that's a good fact. Thank you for it. <laughs> we should, I would love to do an episode on tribes. I love, I, I, yeah. that's the kind of stuff that I love. Um, okay. We would love to hear, um, you know, if you believe love is real, what makes you feel like it is or isn't? What do you feel is something toxic in society that makes love seem inaccessible or or you don't feel like is a part of the definition of love that makes it toxic? Like, I think that's, I don't know, there's, some, there's something in that. But you can write to us at two non-doctors. That's two, non, four doctors at gmail.com. And uh, we'll see you next week, guys. See you next week. Bye. Bye.